Hello, I'm Elena Luigi. Welcome to Under the Microscope, the podcast miniseries where I try and tackle the hot-button issue of police using excessive force and racially profiling people of color in Toronto. Today, I'm speaking with Robert Johnson. He's a superintendent and unit commander for 32 and 33 Division at the Toronto Police Service. We cover the Toronto Police's Use of Force Committee, the Ontario Human Rights Commission's interim report that they published in December, and the response that came from the force, as well as what the Toronto Police plan on doing to tackle the recommendations that the OHRC made in their report. wondering if you could walk me through one of the situations so let's say somebody said okay this is one of the use of force incidents that's brought to the table so then how would the uh, use of force committee kind of um, deal with that and if you could kind of give me an example so kind of how you go through the process yeah so so what happens is every, every police officer uh, in the in in the province and and, and you know obviously in, in Toronto when they use force against a person uh, that, that meets a cer- certain criteria and or threshold, they've got to report it in, in provincial forms and also in our own uh, governance that requires them to do certain things. So when they when they submit those forms and or reports, every single one of those are looked uh, at for a couple of things. A, for statistics to, to, you know, the, that we have to keep this reported on in, in the uh, in the annual report from corporate management. And secondly, is to make sure that, if, you know, they're... Um, they're following uh, our governance, our rules, and if they're not, okay, is it a gap in the rule? Is it a gap in training, or is it a misconduct? So we look at that, and, and we start a, uh, uh, an investigation, and and you know, there's ramifications for that misconduct. The person was trained not to put the finger on the trigger. Why did they do it? They weren't thinking. Okay, uh, they, there's a repercussion for that, and and you know, there's um, there's consequences. Lots of pay, training, um, you know, suspension, depending on the seriousness of it. So that's how we we deal with the misconduct. Because we meet frequently, we're I think we're able to to sort of get on top of these things before they come systemic issues. Who is responsible for training officers on how to use force? Is that um, done at the police college or on the job? So it's, it's certainly done at police college, both in Elmer and when they come back. It's also done yearly. It's mandated by the Police Services Act that police officers have to qualify on all their use of force options, everything from a baton, pepper spray, to a firearm, anything that they're authorized to use, they have to go through uh, training. And that training is just not the physical training of how to shoot a gun, but it's also in things like de-escalation, in conflict resolution management uh, techniques, all those kind of things, and it's anywhere between three to five days. In that training, we also talk about uh, um, uh, implicit biases and prejudices and all these kind of things. So officers are aware that some of these things, they control some of them, they don't. Be aware of it so that you can, you can you know, act accordingly to, 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 to counter some of those things that, uh, you know, that they, they may not have recognized before and, and can't control, right? So, um, and that, that training is formally done at the college, but it's also done, uh, again, through the recommendations of this use of force uh, committee, as well as through, um, you know, supervision in, in, in the division. That's why, you know, a, a police officer at every level has a, a level of reporting and supervision um, and, you know, uh, occurrences or forms they have to fill out so that they are accountable for these things and, and uh, you know, are, are, are trained along the way. Could you explain to me the protocol for when there is a use of force incident or the report that you have to file? What's the protocol? Continuum. Uh, an officer is allowed to use as little force as is necessary 
to affect a, a purpose, and, and you know, it, it, there's a bunch of different things. You know, you have to assess the, the, the certain situation, the threat to the officer, to the public, uh, all those kind of things, right? And there's some things that, that impact that decision making, you know, the, 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 the person's behavior, you know, the, the, the dynamic or situational factors that occur uh, during that interaction, a whole bunch of different things. So the, the, the officer's decision to use force, it is subjective based on training and a bunch of different external criteria, but it, it's also driven by the actions of the person that the officer is dealing with, right? So it's not, uh, it's a fluid process, but it, it, it is different from officer to officer depending on, a, you know, a bunch of external factors. You know, we're allowed by the criminal code to use force, and, and the, the, the reality of, of how that is worded is we can use as, as least force as is necessary to resolve an issue. So just because we can use force, you know, you're passively aggressive doesn't mean I'm going to, uh, going to be justified to shoot you. There is a gradual step up uh, in escalation of use of force, there can be, but sometimes an officer's got to jump right into the, the worst case scenario because that's what the situation uh, decides, right? And, and it could be that they're right in that and they're able to, to de-escalate properly, they're able to, uh, um, you know, to, to resolve it without, without any injury to anybody, and zero harm is, is what we're after. So I want to move forward from that and talk about the OHRC and the interim report that they published in December. What's been the response from the Toronto Police to that report? First of all, their analysis um, was, was quantitative data that they received primarily from the Special Enga- uh, Investigation Unit reports. What I, I, I want to make sure you know that it's clear is while both stats are alarming, and one death is alarming, some of the approach and the methodology and the, and the way these stats were, were collected, and, and, not, and that's not to diminish them, but you know, you, you've got to look at um, making sure that there's a full analysis and accounting of what these numbers actually mean. If you just look at uh, a certain segment of, of the interaction, this being SIU, it may not paint the full picture. What you got to do, I think, is step back globally and look at the number of interactions that the Toronto Police officers have with the greater population, and then segment that into visible minorities and if you can black people to see what is the real percentage that end up like this i'm not sure that you would get the, the same number and we you know we all know stats are, are um you know can tell a bunch of different stories depending on what you look at so this, this report really focused on one small segment siu report our corporate response to that report you know there's a couple things that the the, the chair of the services board including uh, the chief to, to our command you know said that you know, obviously as an organization, we have to acknowledge that uh, the lived experiences of, of members of the community are, are something that is important, and we have to work, you know, really hard, like I said, to make sure that we manage that change. You know, and, and, and we have to acknowledge that we have in a number of public forums as well as uh, internally that we are subject to, uh, we're not immune from overt implicit biases of our members, and we have to find ways to, to you know, make sure that our, our folks are aware of that. There are some things, and it's been proven scientifically, that, uh, you know, is, is, um, is uncontrollable. But if you, if you know about it, you might be able to uh, adjust your interaction so that you, you can at least try to diminish that, that, that part of the bias that, that, that you might have. One thing I should note, I did reach out to the SIU for comment, and they declined by saying the topic was not something that the SIU could speak to. What's the Toronto Police's response to people of colour who said they don't trust the police based on interactions with officers or um, after hearing stories? Yeah, so, you know, um, 
whether they're real or perceived, it doesn't matter. That we, we have an issue that people, if, if they don't trust us, we have to get to the bottom. That's something we continuously, you know, strive to improve. We've just hired a new diversity and inclusion manager, Sula Knight, who had previously worked with the province and the race directorate, um, to look at, you know, put a lens on uh, our policies internally and our inter- interactions externally. You know, and, and so that certainly speaks to training. You know, we do, we do training in implicit bias. Uh, we talk about prejudice and racism and that to, to engage officers um, in that discussion to make them think, um, you know, before they engage in a certain course of action. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, study and, and reports and stuff on implicit bias, you know, and what we have to make our members aware of that everybody has implicit bias doesn't mean you're racist, but there's a, there's a, there's a uh, um, you know, there's a consequence to your action or inaction that may be perceived by some to be, um, to be biased. So you have to acknowledge it, address it, and try to work hard uh, against it. You know, and, and as an organization, you know, one of our three mission goals this year is, is forming partnerships with community and people. And that, to me, is how we sort of get around this. You, you, you know, or, or address it is by engaging the community in, in, in partnerships and meaningful discussions and all those things, but also, uh, you know, reflectively to be able to look at ourselves individually and collectively as an organization and say, you know, hey, can we do something better? And, and acknowledge that somebody may, may have that perception, right? So it's uh, it, it's always an issue. You know, you're never going to get everybody to like us or everybody to trust us, but, uh, you know, you got to try, right? There was a debate on collecting race-based data on the either the injury report or the use of force report. What are your thoughts on that? And what is or where does the Toronto Police stand with that? I think it's a good thing if it's used properly and collected consistently. So, that, you know, we're ready to start that. We want direction from the province. The province has to decide what it is they want us to collect as police agencies and not hold mm-hmm. Toronto aside to go around and do our own thing. We need direction from the province to say, this is what we want you to collect. This is how we want you to collect it. This is how we're going to use it. So give us direction on that and then we'll, we'll, we'll put it in the place. So what's the Toronto Police's plan for going forward in 2019 to address the recommendations that the OHRC outlined in their report? You know, we're going to help the uh, Ontario Human Rights Commission in, in advancing their study in this fight by, uh, you know, um, uh, assisting and collecting these, these, these stats around searches and stops and, and, and use support. And that's going to be done through this, this advisory panel on, on collecting and, and um, uh, analyzing, you know, the, the stats. Uh, that's an ongoing thing. The other two talked about, um, you know, uh, uh, implementing recommendations in the independent police oversight review that Tullock did. That is being, we're looking at it, we're just not sure exactly where we fit in that. And the other thing was that I think the City of Toronto came up with an action plan that they wanted to uh, um, be part of it to talk about confronting uh, or dealing with anti-black uh, racism. Again, we've looked at that, that report, I'm not exactly sure what our commitment is to that. Um, at a specific level, obviously, in principle, we support anything that would, would enhance your, our relationship with, with members of our community. Well, Robert, I think that's a great place to leave this. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This podcast was recorded and edited by me. Elena DiLuigi. Music for this podcast is brought to you by Ben Sound. That's all I have for today. Thanks for listening to Under the Microscope. Mm-hmm.